It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750. 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 61.7 degrees outside. Welcome, friends. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do in your landscape or in your garden or in your houseplants or with anything that has to do with pests or things that I might have a little bit of knowledge about, you can give me a call at 404-872-0750. We had a call just the last hour who came and wanted to talk about how to uh, how to plant beans right now. And, of course, I said, wait a second, wait a second. We can't grow beans right now. We've got to be careful about that because it's way too cold. And so um, one of the things that a lot of people, though, are thinking about is can they plant their vegetable plants indoors and start them for the vegetables. And that right now is problematic. Well, not that problematic, but there are a lot of things that I simply think are too much trouble to start indoors. And I'm thinking right now, Petunias. We know petunias are a little bit um, later in the summertime that you would think about planting the petunia plants that you get from a nursery. But planting the seeds is a possibility. But the problem with planting from seeds is many times those tulips don't germinate very readily, and it may take them at least a couple of three months until they flower. And if it takes a couple of three months until they flower, then the nurseries are going to have pansies, or petunias, I mean, by, oh, the first couple of weeks in April. They're probably shipping them down right now, finishing them off in the greenhouses. And so if you are thinking about starting seeds indoors, maybe tomatoes, remember lots of light. And by the way, I need to talk to Scott Maxim. Scott Maxim, I need to come in and reset my screen here because I'm not seeing my colors. But one of the things about tomatoes is you get a great deal more selection of the kind of tomato you want. A purple tomato, an heirloom tomato, all sorts of tomatoes. You can buy the seeds. You can buy them at nurseries. Pike has a real good selection of organic as well as other non-organic seeds. You can buy them there. And if you start those plants indoors, don't forget that light, 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 light is the main thing they have to have to germinate and grow successfully so they'll be the right size in order to get them outdoors when it's uh, time to plant tomatoes. We'll let you know about that. But again, that's going to be the first, second, maybe week in April that we'll plant tomatoes outside then. If you need some details about how to start seeds indoors, you can give me a call, 404-872-0750. Bill's up in Dahlonega and joins us this morning on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bill, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? Uh, up in Dahlonega, are we still in a safe time to uh, to trim back the um, prune back the crepe myrtles? Sure, as long as you promise you're not going to knob them off with a chainsaw. In which case, no, we're no. not. Don't ever. But <laughs> if you need to do a little pruning, now's a fine time to do it. Never, never. Okay, never, thank never. you, sir. And crepe myrtles. I mean, as a rule of thumb, Bill, you could prune a crepe myrtle three sixty five twenty four seven. You're rarely, if ever, going to hurt it. So okay, that's good to know. You never have to ask me again. You can print your crepe myrtles at any time you want to. Okay, great. Fine. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your show. You bet, Bill. Thanks for calling. Thank right. Comes eleven seven eleven on a Saturday morning. We got Tracy in Sparta, North Carolina. Hey, Tracy. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. What can I do for you? Uh, I was wanting to know what type of grass that is that pushes out uh weeds and then a job for a lady in her home and her yeah. front yard was plushes carpet. Oh her son had transplanted some 
some plots of grass, and yeah. it had just took, taken over her yard uh, in just a matter of time before it would take over the whole yard. All right. Looked like it come maybe from a golf course or something. But yeah, yeah. Is it in full sun, uh, Tracy? Uh, yes. Okay, full sun's great because in full sun, the most aggressive characteristics of a grass can come out. It's when it's in shade that... Bermuda grass and zoysia grass both have a real hard time being aggressive. They'll sit there and they'll grow, but they're going to not be so competitive with weeds. My guess is this is one of the other of those two, Bermuda or zoysia. Both of them, if they're vigorously growing, can choke out weeds pretty well. All righty. I appreciate it. I got me, say hello to a friend of mine in Jonesboro, Georgia. Uh, Jonesboro is a great place to be. I used to work in Clayton County, of course. Uh, Joe Arthur. Uh, pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. I'm sure he's a fine feller. Let me tell you, yeah. Tracy, let me tell you how to tell the difference between Bermuda and Zoysia. All and right. if you've got a friend there in North Carolina you want to know, and this is for other listeners too, you, I mean, it's brown right now and nobody knows what they have. If you just moved into a house and nobody told you whether you have Bermuda grass or Zoysia grass, it, it matters because how you manage them is a little bit different. If you step, Tracy, on the Zoysia grass, just go out and walk on it and Feel how it supports Look. your weight. If it is real carpety feeling, in other words, if it feels like a carpet with padding underneath, that's how you describe it. Carpet with padding underneath, that is zoysia grass. If it feels like carpet with no padding, that's Bermuda grass. Pretty easy. One is a lot stiffer and so supports your weight better, that's zoysia. One is not so stiff and lets, you, lets your whole weight hit the ground, that's Bermuda grass. And that's how you could tell yep. in the wintertime. That's gotta be it then. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your show. We're all up here in the corner, right at the Virginia line in Tennessee, right in the corner of North Carolina, picking you up. Tell them hey in in North Carolina, and I'll see you in Jonesboro sometime soon. Okay, buddy. Thank you. All right, Tracy. Thanks for calling. Roger, it's up in Cherokee County here in Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fabulous, Roger. How can I help? Um, I got three wild crab apple trees. Yeah. And they've quit producing, and I don't know what to do with them or what's going on. Did they ever produce? Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, they just stopped in the past year or two. Yeah. They, you know, had some pretty pink flowers, and now they're not doing nothing. Any, uh, uh, are they in shade or in full sun, or how are they growing? Well, one of them is short and bushy. It's been in, like, open, and the other two are tall and thin because they've been in the uh, woods. Yeah. And I kind of sort of cleaned out around the tall woods because of uh, I built a house. But are they growing now in sun or are they growing now in shade? They're uh, kind of 50-50. That'll be one of the things. As shade gets denser, that's going to make the crab apples decline in their flowering. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's sort of common sense, but that's something to always think of, that if you don't keep up with pruning a couple of trees to let the sunshine get on them for another couple of hours during the day, thinning trees, removing one or the other, eventually the crab apples are not going to have much of anything because they'll just be shaded out in the story. They, that's need, the way to be, they works. need sun. They need in full sun, absolute full sun. Okay. Um, that said, I think you can help a little bit, Roger, and that is by fertilizing to increase the number of leaves on the tree. And without going into a lot of detail, you said they're about how many feet tall, how many feet wide, did you say, Roger? Um, the short one's probably 
10 feet tall and probably 10 feet round. All right. And the tall tall ones, I'm just guessing, and I'm not good at guessing, um, maybe 20 feet. All right. I'll tell you what I would do. Each of those trees needs two pints of 10-10-10. Run to the garden center and get a bag of 10-10-10. Okay. Get a pint measure and go out and put two pints of 10-10-10 on each one now and just spread it out yeah. real thinly underneath the trees, real thinly. And before it rains, it would be a good idea. So do it today. It's going to rain okay. probably some tomorrow. And so let that get watered in. It will produce leaves as the tree leafs out this spring. And I want you to do that one more time in early June, and that will feed it some more and give it, again, a little flush of growth then. The more leaves that it has, the more likelihood it is to have flowers, and then the flowers lead to crab apples that you can throw at your neighbor. What about pruning? Uh, take away the dead limbs. Take away anything that crosses through the middle, but pruning is probably not the limiting factor. I think it's more sunshine and maybe lack of fertilizer. Those are really and truly the two things that I think are, are the things that are limiting you right now. Okay. Got it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. It's great talking to you. Thanks thanks so much for calling, Roger. Coming up in the next half hour, who have we got? Heidi will be here with Kenton in Kenton, Georgia. She wants to know how to plant blackberries and blueberries. Yeah, I got some good varieties for her. David in Gainesville wants to know about ghost pepper plants. Oh, David, 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 David. Your tongue, your tongue. Paul in America wants to know how to ground layer a hydrangea. What is ground layering? Paul, we'll talk to him about that. Nancy Marietta has red loripetalums, has a question about them. If you have a question, you can join us, 404-872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today's number, 80. You know why? Because that's where we're going to get this afternoon. It's going to be in the low 80s this afternoon. This is March, my friends. This is not normal. This is not global warming. This is weird. This is just strange. Don't plant your gardens today. Chance of afternoon showers is going to 80% later on this evening and maybe showers remaining some tomorrow as well. But still, the lows tonight only in the low 60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Nancy is out in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mary, uh, Nancy. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Yes. Yes, I'm wondering what kind of more like dwarf red lore petalums you would recommend for a foundation. How tall is dwarf? When you say dwarf, what do you mean? I don't mean uh, the purple pixie. I mean something in between the zuzu and, say, Suzlin <laughs> pink. Uh, that's more a timber loripellum, these uh, zuzu fuchsia. Right. Uh, what about purple diamond? Purple diamond gets about three to four maybe feet high. I think purple diamond is right in your wheelhouse. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, run over to Pike Nursery and see if they don't have you a purple diamond with your name on it. Maybe three or four of them. Well, I'll just have to ask Mickey about that. I believe you will. Purple diamond is what I would try. And look around. There are all sorts of loropetalums. For listeners who don't know what a loropetalum is, if you look around and you see a shrub 
and it'll be in the next couple of weeks where they explode with these pink flowers. I mean these little star-shaped, strap-shaped flowers, and they have red-leafed forms, as Nancy's inquiring about. They have green-leafed with pink-flowered forms. They have green-leafed with white form with white flowers, and they have sort of a greenish-purple leaf with uh, white flowers as well. So there's all sorts of combinations of leaf colors and flower colors for them. And Laurapetalum is one of those plants that is very, very hard to kill. And for a lot of people, that's the biggest thing you want. It's something you don't worry too much about killing. So Laurapetalum, it's one word, L-O-R-O-P-E-T-A-L-U-M. And as uh, Nancy alluded to, there's one, Zuzhao Fuchsia, which uh, when we planted it back 25 years ago at the University of Georgia Trial Gardens, they thought, well, this would be another little shrubby Laurapetalum. It turned out to be about 25 feet tall. And then over the last two, five, ten years maybe, there have been introduced a couple of more very dwarf forms of uh, Laura Petalum. And the one she mentioned was uh, Purple Pixie, which in my garden gets about, right now, hmm, two and a half to three maybe feet wide and about a foot, foot and a half maybe high. It's one that actually I think looks really nice in a container. You can put it in a container and it sort of drapes and cascades over the sides of the pot. Next to a wall, it'll drape and cascade over the front of a little low wall. It's a great plant for that. So Laurel Petalum has a lot of potential in the landscape. And as I mentioned, lots of combinations of flower color and leaf color. And in the next couple of weeks, you'll see those flowers bursting out all over Atlanta. And you will wonder, what is that? It is a Laurel Petalum. Pike Nursery has one, I'm sure, again, with your name on it. It's 727. We'll be back to more Lot and Garden after news. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736, 61 degrees outside this morning, going up into, <laughs> I can't say this, 80 degrees this afternoon. Man, oh man, oh man. If you want something to do at 9 o'clock today, run to your local, local favorite Pike Nursery. There's a class on growing strawberries. And when Mickey Gasway and I visit this morning at uh, 8.35, you may find something on sale today that will be of very much interest to you if you're interested in growing strawberries in your landscape. Later on today, around 11.30, I think, I'll be up at Scottsdale Farms in Milton and Alpharetta introducing the new plants that Scottsdale Farms has. So if you want to join me there, you can. 11.30, Scottsdale Farms on the Birmingham Highway. And the class for the uh, strawberry growing is at Pike Nurseries at 9 o'clock this morning. Heidi is in Canton, Georgia, wants to grow something to eat. Hey, Heidi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I was interested in what varieties grow well here, and if yeah. when you plant them, do you need to put amendments in the soil or just in the ground? I know you've talked a lot about that. Oh before. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about amendments big time today, Heidi. Um, okay. For blackberries, I am really, really going to be curious to see how well these new dwarf blackberries do in my garden. I was contacted by the Brazzleberry folks, and they're a branded name of uh, of plants. Pike carries Brazzleberries, and they're available nationally, too. But the Brazzleberry people said, we have a new dwarf blackberry. Do you want to try it? 
and I had just that previous week pulled out every blackberry in my landscape because they'd gotten sort of wild and overgrown. I couldn't prune them right, and so I thought, oh, I'm tired of getting snagged by these darn things. And so I pulled them all out. But when they said dwarf, I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I've got a little quarter over here. I can do that. So it's dwarf. worth a trial, at least, on the brazzleberries that you can find at Pike. Um, okay. There are other longer Spranglier is a good horticultural term. Uh, blackberries is uh, Alapaha is the, I believe Alapaha, no, Arapaho. Got the A's mixed up. Everybody wants to use a Native American name. I think it's Arapaho, Arapaho. is the okay. uh, thornless one. I will tell you how oh. to find some other names, and this is going to be easy, Heidi. Go to my website, just type blackberry <laughs> or blueberry right. in. So you don't have to write all this down. But okay. uh, Arapaho is one. Now, going for blueberries, you have a couple of choices there. Because there are early flowering, early fruiting blueberries, we call them southern highbush blueberries, and there are rabbit eye blueberries, which you'll have flowers in mm, April to early May, and then you have the fruit sometime in July usually, so they're later than the southern highbush. And for both of them, the key to remember is amending the soil is key. Okay. I think blueberries really is more key than it is with blackberries. But for blueberries, they love having acidic soil that is well-drained and open. And you can accomplish that by getting some peat moss. And go to oh. you know, any garden center and get a cubic. They have these big bales of compressed peat moss. They're dusty and mess to work with, so wear old clothes. But uh, you, you uh, open up this bale of peat moss and put it in your wheelbarrow and just sort of mix it up with your hands. It gets all up in your elbows and your hair. Oh, man. Oh, well. What a mess. But anyway, you still, you mix it up real good and get it uh, broken apart in this bale. And you mix about a cubic foot of peat moss per blueberry plant. And so if it oh. comes in a two-cubic-foot bale, that's two blueberry plants right there. You simply okay. dig it into the soil. It gives you a nice acidic soil as well as a nice organic soil, which is what a blueberry craves. And I said two because two is the key word here. We need two of either the highbush blueberries or the rabbit eye blueberries, two different varieties, so they will pollinate within themselves. Rabbit great. eyes need Our two varieties. Our neighbor has bee colony going, so that'll be great. Yeah. Blackberries, blueberries. This is going to be awesome, Heidi. Go to my website. Just type in blueberry or blackberry to get some names of other varieties and their characteristics. But you're going to have a great summer, great couple of years growing these two plants. I read somewhere, though, that they say not to let your blueberries um, fruit the first couple of years. You pinch off the blooms. Is that true, or does it matter? It breaks my heart to pinch off those blooms, and frankly, as long as you promise me and cross your heart and hope to die that you will water them and fertilize them during the summertime a little bit, don't worry about it. Don't pick the blooms oh, okay. off. Get some blueberries. Like Come it. on, Heidi. That's what we planted them go. for. That's right. Really? Really? Me and the tears, huh? Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Eat dessert first is what I say. <laughs> okay. I like it. Oh, I'm, all, I'm with you all the way. You bet. Thanks for calling, Heidi. Thank you. Paul is in America's way down in South Georgia. Hey, Paul. Good morning. How are you doing, Mr. Walker? Hey, man. I'm fine. How can I help, Paul? I've got about 25 ground layers on various hydrangeas that I did last spring. Oh, awesome. And I want to take them off and put them into pots. Mm -hmm. I did some back in October, but I didn't get to all of them yet. And yeah. I want to know, when is the best time to do that? Why not today? Why not okay. today? I think if you, did you have a pretty good root system on them when you dug them up back in the fall, the ones you did? Uh, yes, sir, I did. And they're all looking great now. And I'm, I kind of did an experiment and put four or five in the greenhouse. And of course, those are more green at this point, but yeah. they're, they're all looking good and they've all got good roots. Paul, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. And in oh, about three sentences, tell us how to ground layer a hydrangea, to propagate a hydrangea. Tell us what you did. 
I take a limb that's low to the ground, and I go to a place on the limb that I refer to, and I've heard it called a node. It's basically a little joint. Yeah. And I take a razor blade knife and scrape it down to below the cambium to where it's white. I take some rutone and put on there, brush it on there, and then cover that limb with some dirt and run, and then pine straw and come back five or six months later and it's ready to go. It's rooted in. It's ground layered. That's what it means by ground layering. is another process called air layering for those of you who want to investigate that. But, Paul, you have found the exact easiest way to propagate a hydrangea. Sometimes roses do very well. Muscadine vines. A lot of things that can be ground layered, just as you said. I've got one other quick question for yeah, you. quick. The Mad- Margaret Mosley hydrangea, is there any nursery that, that has that? I want that. If I were to Yes, try hydrangea.com, the Wilkerson Mill Gardens down in Palmetto. They specialize in about nine zillion different kind of hydrangeas. And if there's a rare hydrangea, I would think that uh, Gene and Elizabeth would have it. So hydrangea.com and Wilkerson Mill Gardens down in Palmetto. All right, I'm writing Palmetto. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for calling, Paul. Yes, sir. 42 minutes past the hour gives James his turn. Game, James is in Gainesville and joins us. Hey, James. Good morning. Hey, Walter. I appreciate you taking my call. And boy, oh, boy, do I need your help. What can I, I got for you? Um, 0.6 acres. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest yard I've ever had. Yeah, um, man. Brand new house. Okay. And so in the backyard, I, you know, we, we uh, insisted that they build us a fence, and it's a six-foot privacy fence. And, and I just used my um, compass app. And it's pointing at 72 degrees. If you just straight out the back of my house at 72 degrees, okay. which is kind of almost east, but it's a little bit more towards the north. And what I'm noticing is that um, and I've got a neighbor that is kind of high to my, um, to my north, and I'm getting water runoff from him. And um, my, the backyard just will not grow grass. That's mm. problem number one. Yeah. And then um, – Problem, if you will, problem number two is that my front. So my um, yard is the is the very first yard that everybody sees when they come in um, the the neighborhood, and I mean it is just the mm, corner mm, lot. Mm-hmm. And I've got about twelve just little stupid little stumpy little um, <laughs> shrubs in the front, and I've got like some kind of it looks like a sick Christmas tree. All right, wait and a second. Got, let's, let's stop right. this list of, of, of plagues. As a, uh, we're going to call you Job from now on, I think, James. <laughs> uh, but, all right, let's go with the Bermuda grass first. Yes, sir. And let me comment that if somebody wants to make a million dollars, I have a million dollar idea that James just Gave me the idea for. He said he used his compass app on his phone to figure out how the fence was running. What we need is an app that measures sunshine. There are actually a couple of gizmos that do that reasonably well, but an app. Everybody's got an iPhone or a smartphone, and if you had a little app that you could lay it out in the sun, keep an eye on it so nobody walks by and grabs it, that would measure the amount of sunshine that hits a particular spot in your landscape, that would be awesome. James, it's up to you. I yeah. want that app. And, and you're no, they already have those, Walter. They they've got little. Um, it's a device that then talks to your phone. You don't have to lay your phone out there. I'm going to get it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to get it tomorrow. I'll look it up for you. All right, let's talk about the Bermuda grass. Sunshine is the limiting thing on Bermuda grass. How much sun do you think it gets in a day? Not much. It ain't I going mean, to grow. 
then just yeah. stop right there. That's the end of that yeah. story. Um, think of something else that will grow in that amount of shade, and it ain't going to be grass. It's probably not going to be even fescue, which tolerates more shade than most anything else. So change your landscaping plan to say no grass right there in the shade. We've got to have ferns, azaleas, hostas. Um, many, many things will grow in the shade, but it's not going to be grass. That's okay. number one. Number two. You and your neighbor have got to work on an accommodation for the water runoff because yep. that is one of those things that unless you fix it is always going to be a problem. It will always cause erosion. It will always cause uh, damp soil, and neither of those things are good for plants. And so it's maybe an underground drainage system. It may be a catchment where you catch his water and take it to the other side of your yard and put it someplace that doesn't make any, any harm. But you got to fix that. There's no getting around it. I will. All right. Second question, then, last question, 30-second question. Tell it to me right now. So if you if you had a $500 budget and you had the corner lot and yeah. then you had 12 stumpy little um, shrubs and you had a sick-looking Christmas tree yeah. and you had maybe some pine, you know, like little islands that had just ugly stuff, what would you do to um, make your, your neighbors go, oh, he's I would I would go to a nursery on a day when they're not busy all right go to a nursery on a Tuesday morning and and I'm sure there's some in Hall County you can run down to Atlanta someday and go to a pike but nonetheless go to a nursery take a picture take five or six pictures of the front of your house the back of your house and the situations that you have know how much sunshine that you're going to get and say what are your recommendations for shrubs that would do well in this situation get their advice and that's what I would do Okay. All right. I'll do it, Walter. Thank you. Job, it's great talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you Everybody. soon, Jay. 47 minutes past the hour on News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And time for another quick update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be nice this afternoon in another situation where Mother Nature sort of takes care of things. If you get your work done in the morning and afternoon today, it might be a little rain in the forecast tomorrow, this evening, and you get those plants watered in. Again, most of the things that are for sale right now are probably not appropriate to put into the ground, but your cool season crops, your vegetables and things like that, we could plant those today. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mike in McDonough, here comes a turn, and here's Mike on the air. Hey, Mike, good morning. How are you doing, Dr. Reed? I'm doing uh, fine, Dr. Mike. How can I help? <laughs> I have several uh, semi-dwarf apple trees. Yeah. And your website does a good job of explaining how to keep the uh, interior open. Yeah. And it also talks about keeping peach trees down at about six feet. But my question is how to control the height of these trees. They're about four years old, and they're 12 to 15 feet high already. Should yeah. I be controlling the height, and if so, how, or should I just let them be letting them go? When you said they were dwarf, um, semi-dwarf, yeah. And, and okay, they were labeled that way, or how do you know Correct. semi-dwarf? 
Because that's the way they were supposedly labeled. All right. Uh, for listeners who are wondering why I'm asking that, the way generally that apples are dwarfed is by grafting one, bringing a standard apple onto a dwarfing rootstock. And various kinds of rootstocks will do various sizes of dwarfing. And so there's a modeling 102 that makes a very small apple tree, a modeling 180 that makes a very medium-sized apple tree, and various sizes in between. So it all depends on what rootstock is grafted onto as to whether it's semi-dwarf, dwarf, ultra-dwarf, blah, blah, blah. Um, so 10 to 15 feet high is about the right height for a semi-dwarf apple tree, but it may be more height than you like, Mike. So... I, honestly and truly, I think just pruning out the highest, tallest vertical stems is about all you need to do. It's not going to hurt anything to do that, and it'll keep the apples where you can reach them. All right. Sounds good. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. Just take out the tall stuff. That'll control the height perfectly well. <laughs> Thanks all for right. calling, Mike. Thank you. We'll see you, man. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Stevie out in Douglasville joins us. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Um, I'm trying to beat the weather today and get my red potatoes in the ground. Yeah, but I hadn't got them cut up yet, and I know mm. you're supposed to let them sit for a day or so after you mm. cut them, yeah. or they'll kind of heal over, to yeah. keep them rotting and all. Uh, is they? You reckon any other way that uh, I can get them in the ground? You don't have to do it today, Steve. Can't you wait till tomorrow or maybe Monday afternoon after work, maybe? I was afraid the rain and all was going to be in. Yeah. Be to get out. How many potatoes are you planting, Steve? I'm probably going to plant a couple rows about 75 feet long. I understand your problem, then. If you were going to make two hills, that's one situation. Okay, we can do that any time. Two rows, 75 feet long, we need to get the potatoes in the ground. It sure would be better, and I'm going to give you an experiment, and I totally disavow any results of this experiment, but it might work, and that is simply this. Cut your potatoes as soon as you get them this morning. Put them in front of a fan to dry off the cut surfaces. Put them in a place that they can dry off as quickly as possible. Wait till tomorrow, if you possibly can, to plant them, and they'll give them another 24 hours to dry and to heal and to callus there where you made the cuts. Put them in the ground, 75 feet long rows. Call me in in May and let me know, Steve, whether it worked or not. But that's the best I can come up with is to dry off those cut places to make it less likely for the fungi to invade and plant them, and we'll see what happens. I appreciate it, Walter. All right, man. We'll see you, Steve. Let me know. I want to know. Sometimes people do things that I've never done myself, and I just think this might work, and we will see. It's 7.58 on a Saturday morning. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Back to 